God bless you and thanks so much for coming today. We realize it's not always possible to be at a service and to fellowship with others, so we bring the service to you, wherever you are. We hope you'll be encouraged today and discover God's peace and His promises for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 14? And we'll show you the verses here on the video as well, just to make it easier for you. Today, I'd like to talk to you about small visions. We live in a time in which it seems that everyone is focused on themselves. People live in their own very small worlds. And while we watch the news and work at our jobs and go from place to place each day, it all seems to be for our own limited purposes. The goals that people have for themselves are usually only about themselves. They seldom want to do anything big in life because it seems too risky. And as a result, life passes by and little is accomplished that has lasting meaning. The problem is people are conditioned to trust only themselves. The vision that they have in life has been designed to fit within their own limited capabilities, to be no greater than their own strength allows, and to be no bigger than their own limited understanding and wisdom. But God has much bigger plans for you. His plans go far beyond just affecting you. His plans for you are plans that He wants to use to change the world with you. He wants you to lean on Him and His strength. He wants you to rest in His wisdom. In fact, out of all the abilities that you may have, the only ability He truly needs from you is availability. Are you available? Are you available for God to use? If you are, then don't be surprised at the big vision God wants to give you for your life. It'll be a vision that goes far beyond your own limitations and your own understanding. It won't be a you-powered vision. It'll be a God-powered vision. A vision that changes far more than just your own little world. It'll be a vision that stretches out your own faith in Him and touches far more people than you've ever imagined. The Bible speaks about having God-powered visions in our scripture today. Let's take a look at Joshua 14, verse 6 through 13. It says, beginning in verse 6, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word of the Lord, said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him what was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 9 says, So Moses swore to me on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as He said, these forty-five years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness, 
And now, here I am this day, 85 years of age, and yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so it is now. I'm strong for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Now, there's a background to this story. There's a background to these verses. Years earlier, when Caleb was about 40 years of age, as the scripture said, he and Joshua were two of the men that were a group of 12 that Moses had selected and sent out to spy out the land before they came into it. They were supposed to go into the land that Israel would be going into and see what the land was like. They were supposed to see what the people were like who lived there. They were supposed to see how tough this job was going to be. Chapter 13 of the book of Numbers tells a story about who those 12 men are and tells the rest of it that you would need to know about those 12 men. And it also tells us that when they returned 40 days later, they reported to Moses and the people what the land was like. Ten of the men gave a bad report about the land. They were afraid. They told the people that there were Anakim there. Now, Anakim were giants. They were much, much bigger than normal people, normal Jewish people that were there in Israel wandering in the wilderness. They were huge. And the Jewish spies looked very small compared to these giants. Even today, the Hebrew word for giant is Anak. And Anakim is simply the way they say the plural of Anak. So Anak is giant, Anakim means giants. At that time, it was common for the people in the cities to build huge walls around the cities to protect them from invading armies. So if the normal-sized people built very tall and very strong walls around their cities, you can imagine how much taller and stronger these giants would build the walls around their cities. Because remember that sometimes they probably had to fight off other giants that were trying to invade their cities as well. The huge giants that lived in the cities, something the people were afraid of. Some of the spies thought, it's no use. How are we ever going to break through those walls and conquer those giants? But the mistake those spies made was that they were looking at what they and their own strength could do. They were limiting themselves to their own human understanding and abilities. But two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, saw things differently. They saw how big the problem was, sure, but they also remembered how big their God is. Their God was the one who parted the Red Seas. Their God was the one who defeated the Egyptian army, the most powerful army on earth at that time. Their God was the one who rained down food from heaven every day, the one who made water come from a rock to feed the million plus people that they had in their group. Their God had proved how powerful He is. 
and their God had proved how faithful he is, how much he loved them. Joshua and Caleb reasoned that the huge wall and those huge giants were no match for the God who made the universe. So they tried to encourage the people to go forth and that God would be with them and that they would take the land. They reminded the people of God's faithfulness and His promises to be with them. You see, the other men were looking at their own strength. So they had a small vision of what they could accomplish. But Joshua and Caleb were looking at the strength of God Almighty whom they served. And so they had a big vision of what they could accomplish. Now God was angry at the people for not going forth in faith to conquer the land as He told them to do. So He left them in the wilderness until all of that generation had died. All of the adults that refused to trust in God never really entered the land. They never really lived the incredible promises that God had given them. Only Joshua and Caleb the two spies that trusted in God were allowed to later go into the promised land. Now you see, that's why it's called the promised land. Because God Himself had promised the land to the people. And when the people didn't trust in God to keep His promise to give them the land, those people were basically turning their back on God and relying on their own small strength in life. They had tiny, tiny visions of what God would do with them because they were only seeing it as their own strength and their own wisdom and not as His strength and His wisdom. But now, in the verses we read today, Caleb is 85 years of age. He's 45 years older than he was before. He's an old man. His own strength might have weakened, but he still trusted in God's strength to bring him through life. And now here he is asking Joshua to give him this mountain filled with giants and giant cities and giant walls so that he could go in and conquer it, 85 years old. And Caleb says, I'm just as strong today as I was when I was young. Now you may be asking, how can that be? He's old now. But Caleb knew this key thing. God was his strength the one who made the universe and spoke everything into existence, the creator of all things was his strength. Now when he said, I'm just as strong today as I was when I was young, what he was saying was, as God was my strength when I was young and God is my strength now and God's just as strong as he was before. He's the almighty God, the creator of all things and he is still with me. So here's what I'm asking you to remember today. This is how God wants us to live life. He wants us to realize that it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It doesn't matter how wise you are or how strong you are. When you realize that you are in the hands of the Creator of the universe, nothing is impossible for you because nothing is impossible with God. He's glorified when His children trust Him in life. That's what He's looking for. Opportunities to show Himself strong to you and those around you, to amaze you with His love and His care. All you have to do is give your cares to Him. Does your vision in life rely on your own strength 
Or are you relying on the strength and the presence of Almighty God? What I'm asking you to do is to stop thinking small in life and realize when God is with you, all things are possible. Open up your eyes of faith and step out trusting God to do big things. Dare to think big and leave those small visions behind. In the same way, we're not as smart as we think we are. I know I'm quite impulsive sometimes and sometimes I don't think things through. So one day my wife said to me, you know, this might help you. When you're thinking about doing something, why don't you stop, give it some time, and think a second time about it? That sounded good. Think twice about doing something. That sounded pretty smart to me. So at first I agreed with her. But then after a while I thought, well, maybe I don't agree with her. Here's what you need to remember. God is the one who made you. He knows what you need to live life at your full potential. And He loves you, so He wants the very best for you. Now that doesn't mean that He's going to give you everything you ask for. No, remember that you're not as wise as He is. We're just little kids compared to Him. He knows what's best for you. To give you things that are only the best for you. He loves us too much to give us things that would hurt us. Sometimes we may end up wanting those things that He knows would eventually hurt us. So when I say He wants the very best for you, that doesn't mean He's going to make it to where you win the lottery or you get that new Mercedes automobile that you've been wanting. You see, you were created to live forever and to be in the kingdom of heaven with Him throughout eternity. Your life is much more than the few years you have in this physical body. And while God is certainly taking care of your physical body and cares about it, He wants you to be blessed in that. He's also teaching you right now and preparing you for your spiritual life as well. Once you've been born into the spirit life, just like a new baby, you need to learn what that new life is all about. So God is patiently raising you into maturity in the things of the Spirit and teaching you His ways. He's teaching you how to trust in Him instead of in your own wisdom. God has infinite wisdom and power. He knows what will make you happy and content. He knows how to protect you from the evil that you'll come against. And since He knows the future, He knows where to place you today to keep you from harm tomorrow. He can take those broken situations in your life and He'll fix them. And in the end, no matter what comes against you, no matter what your enemies do to try to destroy you, God will turn it around and cause it to bless you instead. That's the way it was in 1 Samuel 14, verse 6 through 7. With King Saul's son, Jonathan, it says, Then Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come on, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised foreigners. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Now let's talk about what happened there. 
Jonathan is a young man. He's the son of King Saul. A short distance behind them, his father has his huge army. But that army is small compared to all of these armies of the enemies that are out there. Saul is waiting back there trying to figure out what to do. He knows it's a bad situation. But Jonathan is a young man who was friends with David, you might remember, the King David, who would later be King David. And Jonathan and David were best friends. So Jonathan, even at his young age, was a man of God. He was a young man of God. He looked out on the situation. He saw how much people were concerned back behind them with the army of Israel. And he saw the vast, vast numbers of the army out there that were planted against Israel that they were going to have to do battle with. It didn't look good. It looked like it was a pretty bad situation. All of these multitudes and multitudes of soldiers against the very few soldiers that Israel had. And so Jonathan goes out to look over the situation. And then he starts to thinking, you know what? This isn't about our strength. We are the chosen people of God. We are the people that God said He would be with us. So if He's with us, it's not important how strong we are or how weak we are. What's important is that the God who made all things is with us. You see, God not only knows how to help you out, He knows what you need more than you do. He took Jonathan out. Jonathan looked over the situation, came to the conclusion that God was in charge and God was, had all this strength and might and that they couldn't lose because God was with them. He wasn't relying on the number of soldiers they had in Israel's army. He was relying on God's mighty power and His love and care for Israel. And so he said to the young man carrying his armor, he said, let's go over there. It doesn't matter if we're only two and they might be 200,000. Who knows what that number was? It doesn't matter that it's just you and I. If we go and God is with us, you know what? We're going to win. Now that's faith. That's faith. That's a God-sized vision. And so Jonathan went over there. Long story short, God actually made confusion to rise up in the camp of the enemy when they saw these two young men. And these warriors in this mighty camp with multitudes of soldiers became confused and somehow they started fighting against each other. And they fought against each other and killed each other so much that they all started running thinking that they were all going to die. Meanwhile, the army of Israel heard this great commotion, this great noise, and they saw what was going on. They didn't understand it, but they said, look, they're running, they're killing themselves. <clears throat> Let's go in and, and, and clean this up. Let's go in and finish the job. And so they were greatly motivated. They had great confidence now because they saw that God had turned the battle into a victory. And so they went and joined the work that God had already done. All because of a young man and his armor bearer said, let's have a big vision today. Let's have a God-sized vision. God is not limited 
to get the victory by many or by few. It's not about how many soldiers you have. It's not about how many spears you have, how many shields you have. It's not about how many horses your soldiers are riding. It's about whether God is with you or not. That's the key. God is here to help you and to care for you. You're His child. And He loves you greatly. When you give life to Him, He is always watching over you. He's always watching over you. That's the key that you need to remember. Stop limiting yourself to small visions. Start living a God-powered life where the living God is the one who will make it happen. If you'll give it all over to God, He'll fix what's broken in your life, in your mind, and He'll give you supernatural strength. He will fill you with real wisdom and give you a clear mind. He'll pull you out of the mud and put you on the mountain. He'll light a light in you that will shine into the darkness and let others see that God loves them too and that there's hope in Jesus Christ, His Son. And you'll experience a new purpose in life, a noble new calling. Then you can rest in His hands, under His care, and He'll bless you with peace and joy in life. Knowing He's watching out for you will change your life. And you can leave all that mess behind and let Him take care of life. Here's what I'm saying. Stop thinking small. You serve a big God, so let Him do something big in your life. Don't just pass through life living it only for yourself. That's too small of a vision. Give your life over to the Creator who made you. Make yourself available to Him to do something amazing with your life. Remember this, one person with God can change the world. If you'll do this, then God will lift you from obscurity and He'll put you in a place where your candle can shine and give light to all those around you. You'll have confidence, joy, peace in life, and even your trials will bring you blessings. You'll have a reason to look forward to each new day and simply leave the past behind. Just trust Him with your life. He loves you, He cares for you, and He wants you to trust Him with every care that you have. You're His child, give it to Him today and watch the amazing things that He will do in your life. We want to give you an opportunity to believe in Jesus Christ and to receive God's peace in your life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. Jesus took the punishment for our sins on Himself so that we might be restored to God and have everlasting life in His kingdom. Just pray something like this. God, I want to know You and have real peace in life. I believe on Your Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord, and I give my life to You. Please forgive all my sins and give me a new life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. And He's already started to work in your life. Over time, you'll begin to see the wonderful changes He's making in you.
Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him and His Word. Talk to Him every day. He's going to do amazing things in your life. From now on, you have a new life.